0: Hello, Theologizers. My name is Brett, and I'm here with my brother, Ben. And we are the Theobros. Welcome to the first episode of the Theobros podcast. Indeed, Brett. Welcome, indeed. So we wanted to do this podcast, uh, I guess, mainly with the purpose to explore uh, theology and theology's intersection with culture, uh, be it church culture, pop culture, political culture, uh, whatever. Also, just whatever is tickling our jimmies on a particular day or week. My jimmies Uh, get tickled quite often. Yeah. Well, tickle me jimmies and call us Theo bros. Uh, I don't know. Well, so what else were you thinking should be the kind of purpose or uh, end goal of this podcast, Brett? Well obviously um, as you can tell from the name Theo Bros the the main subject matter of the podcast will be uh, exploring theology and just from there we can springboard into to any area that we want to we want to get into whether it be the general culture art politics current events that are going on and just how it all relates to our spiritual lives and Ah, uh, who God is, and who we are, and just the, the deeper th- truths of lives. So, we hope that uh, it will will cover a lot of different subjects, but we're always gonna be bringing it back to to God and 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 theology and how it relates to everything in our lives. Right. So, if you wanted answers to life's perennial questions, you've come to the right podcast. Yep, yeah, there's a lot of podcasts out there. We we know that, but. Uh, this is the only one that's going to be giving you the true answer answers to life's deep questions we're here for you so uh indeed. you're welcome indeed and it, uh i think the podcast will probably kind of randomly fluctuate between yeah more kind of uh serious uh more kind of deep theological discussions and also ones that have nothing remotely profound about them whatsoever and that are just uh, either purely humorous or also purely critical right say of particular uh movements that we strongly disfavor <coughs> calvinism um <laughs> stuff like that uh so if you're a big fan of people like uh maybe paul washer sensual carnal unconverted people Woo! or uh, or john macarthur it is god who destroys Woo! this is definitely not the place for you But maybe you should be here, actually, for that very reason, so you can disabuse yourself of that sort of stuff. We're here for you. You'll thank us later. All right. So I thought, Brett, we could also start off by maybe giving a kind of brief summary of our theological backgrounds and journeys and how we got to where we are today and where we are at today. So do you want to start us off with that? Sure. Sure. So obviously, we're, we're brothers. So we, we both uh, grew up under the same roof under a very uh, traditional evangelical Christian background and family. We, we had a, a, a great family. We we're all very close. Both of our, our parents, both of their dads, both of our grandparents were military chaplains. So, you know, we have a lot of um, kind of Christian heritage that, that goes back uh, within our family which we're, we're very grateful for so we have we have great religious and just moral roots that we we've been benefactors of in our lives I don't know if that was the right word to use benefactors but I just used it beneficiaries beneficiaries was the word I was looking for that's what you know that that's why Ben's here to, to kind of keep me <laughs> Keep me on check. My my words can sometimes stray off into uh, absurdities, and he, he's here to to make sure he's uh, clarifying me. But um, in the beginning was the word, and it was me, Ben, aka the word. Sorry. Anyway, I I, 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 just, I just rallied up about two thousand extra years in purgatory for that one, so I apologize. Oh, you have no idea how many years of purgatory I have under my belt right now. There, there's quite a few. I can't wait. Anyway, so we 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 had a great family upbringing but it was it was your you know your very typical kind of american christian childhood so you know we were exposed to all of the 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 usual things in church and you know sunday school and just the bible stories when we were young and you know coming up through our teenage years uh, in in the the youth groups even though we were kind of rebellious there we we did we never really got pl- plugged in to the youth groups but our 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 parents tried to to get us involved in that so we, we grew up in this in the church culture, like I'm sure a lot of you listeners have. And that was just kind of the standard one on one thing. It was it was deeply ingrained in our lives that we are Christian, you know, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and say the sinner's prayer when you're six years old, and it's all good, you know, you're spared from the flames. So uh, anyway, that that, it, that was kind of where we came, we, we kind of came from just a very all American tight knit Christian family. But as I alluded to, you know, with us not getting involved in the youth group, all of us, me, Ben, and our two sisters, we always, I think, kind of felt like we had like one foot in the, the door of the church and one foot out because of the more of the culture. We never really felt totally comfortable in the church, the church culture, especially in our, our younger years. We felt, I guess, a little more secular just with, I, I think, our friends and just we you know when you're when you're young growing up in this stuff you see it as more of a culture you don't see it as a life changing profound thing that happens to you in a deep relationship day to day with god it's you know it's it's hard to get there when you're 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 coming of age so we you know we would consider ourselves christian but i i think it was inevitable for all of us kids at some point that because of us Feeling like we had one foot in one foot out that we would come to kind of a time of, of, of questioning or rediscovery in our adult lives, which is exactly what happened with me and Ben alike. We both, uh, I'll let Ben kind of elaborate on his side, but I went through a, a period of, of no, nothing I guess, crazy as far as like running away from the church or anything, but just kind of more of a living a what would be kind of considered, I think, on the surface, a secular life, I would still claim to be Christian, and, you know, still went to church, and uh, always believed it as much as I could believe it, you know, and um, it 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 still acted as my moral compass and, and all of that stuff. But you know, I kind of came to a point in my mid 20s, to late 20s, about four years ago now, where I just kind of hit a wall with kind of the culture that I was surrounding myself with in my kind of young adult life, you know, a lot of secular friends and, and just people getting into things that just, uh, I was just kind of tired of, you know, I just felt like I was hitting a wall with that sort of I guess "quote unquote." I can only keep on using the word "secular lifestyle," and and I, I kind of came to a point one night where I can I ask you a question, Brett? Is part yeah. of what you mean is part of what you mean by the kind of secular culture or lifestyle or friends, is a kind of atmosphere in which, whether Christian or not, the kind of bigger questions of life or more the more existential dimension of life. Was just never really discussed or brought out. Is that exactly kind of part of what we're yes. talking about? Okay, yeah, definitely. You know, you know, there was a, it was a typical everyone's just like you know partying and just you know everything surface level and and just kind of the usual thing that a lot of young adults do. I would just come to a point where I I wanted to engage with the deeper questions of life and I wanted to really figure out a, what does this what does Christianity really mean to me? Who really was. Jesus, how how is this going to become real for me? And you know, going a number of years not not engaging with that real strongly, it can wear on you after a while. You know, I'm not going to get into the details. I'm not perfect, and you have like times of some rebellion and and questioning. And I went through all of that, and so eventually, I just uh, got down on my hands and knees one night and. And rededicated my life to Christ. And, and the funny thing is, is, I had actually done that a, a number of times prior, but there was something about this time that it it felt real. It was weird. Like I knew that this was the real deal. Was, was there anything that was the that kind of immediately precipitated this particular moment? You know, you know, there was no voices from heaven or, or there was no even necessarily like warm and fuzzy feeling of love that overtook me, you know, all of a sudden. So you didn't see uh, the Virgin Mary in your pancakes that's, that morning or anything like I, that? I didn't. I was disappointed. I thought that was going to start happening on the reg, but it never did but uh so it was just this sense of that was real it was like this kind of assurance kind of thing i, I don't know how to describe it but i knew that that was my conversion it was where again it wasn't like this huge deep spiritual experience but it was just kind of uh what i would now interpret the holy spirit just giving me that yes we're we're, we're starting this journey this is happening that's interesting that you say that. That kind of reminds me of uh, C.S. Lewis's story of his own conversion, where, yeah. yeah, it wasn't this big emotional or, like, existential kind of transition. So the way he put it was it had been kind of slowly building, right, especially through conversations with Tolkien and other things he had been thinking about. And he said that he was like <laughs> he was on the little sidecar of a motorcycle with his friend going to the zoo. I've heard of this, like a, like a straight C.S. Lewis boss, is yeah. going to the zoo in the sidecar, classic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he and he, he just says uh, uh, when they started out to the zoo, he did not believe Jesus was the Son of God, and mm-hmm. by the time he got there, he did, and he said it was just yeah, this kind of yeah, yeah. clear transition, but it wasn't a big emotional thing or anything. Exactly, and I, and I can re- relate to that. I mean, there was some emotion in my prayer. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it was quite as nonchalant as C.S. Lewis just enjoying the sunshine in a sidecar i think we experience the same assurance though you know but for you you already believed jesus was the son of god intellectually i think your your yeah. yours was more of just a transitioning that from your head to your heart i guess in a more yeah yeah way. no for sure for sure but yeah i think i think i can share that experience of like you just kind of know that you're like now in relationship with with Christ whatever that actually means you know at the time you just kind of know that the journey starts now and so ever since that 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 night i it was january 14th my sister's birthday 2014 so we're recording this in february of 2018 so that was uh, a little over 4 years now And I can see God's hand ever since that moment. Did did, did all of a sudden I start uh, singing Amazing Grace with tears streaming down my cheeks every morning? No, but the rebuilding process started there because I had all of these ideas and, and conceptions of what I thought Christianity was from my upbringing in that culture. Our, our Although, as a, as a side note, curiously, from that moment on, he did begin waking up every morning with tears streaming down his cheeks, singing Hotel California. We've never been able to discern why. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. I, I still do it. You know, I think it's my own version of speaking in tongues, but I just randomly start singing Hotel California at, at the yeah. weirdest times. Often we if, actually- we're in, if we're in church together, uh, the spacious silences between uh, our corporate prayer will be punctuated by Brett, all of a sudden being f- <laughs> filled with the Holy Spirit and saying, welcome to the hotel. All right, we all right, actually had a revival service and uh, it was all on the Holy Spirit at my church recently. And and you know, the guy was really trying to get everyone to speak in tongues, like really intense. He's like, Come on, everyone, let's let's start talking. Let's start let's just start start moving your lips. Let's do it. You know, some people started talking like you know other languages and I and i just started belting at the top of my lungs hotel california but anyway yeah this joke is really it's really we're taking it really far right now let's keep on stretching this as much as we can <laughs> anyway so ever since then we and we, we'll get into little bits and pieces of this and in, in other episodes and stuff it's been a rebuilding process through learning about history learning about theology but at the same time god meeting me in very emotional heart-filled ways so it's kind of been this head and heart working in tandem together ever since and i've probably gone through the most difficult time of my life ironically ever since that conversion and that has been the catalyst of my faith being strengthened so i can totally see god's hand ever since then And yeah, we'll get into more details on like our our, our thoughts and some of our experiences, but that's kind of the gist of my background so far. Well, you know what? Uh, Here's my little, uh, if I were a, a hit pastor like Stephen Furtick or something, here's where I would say this, God never gives you a new heart without also handing you a cross. You can take that to the bank and cash it. That's good church. I want to hear an amen after that line. That's that's that's, that's good. good. That oh, that. that's good. That's good. That was good folks. Guy, okay. You always got the guy who's who's standing up in the front row giving the pastor a, a all out uh, round of applause and you can just see the guy's silhouette like standing in the front row like applauding what the, the the mega church pastor just said. Indeed. Anyway, Ben, so tell us about your story. Yeah, so I guess the first part of the story uh, in the main was already captured by what Brett said in terms of kind of how we grew up, what kind of Christian family we grew up in, uh, how we never really uh, felt really comfortable in church culture. I guess another aspect of it for me that always kind of interacted with my faith in different ways over the years was uh, mental illness, different aspects of mental illness and depression and other things like that. In a way, I feel like it, it made me think More, I guess, about my faith over the years, being in those darker periods. But in another way, at a practical level, I think it also made me kind of push the practice of my faith away more in adolescence and teenage years. Just because I I feel like, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, religious thoughts when you're already a very anxious, depressed, or obsessive kind of person can be kind of that can be a kind of toxic mix. So that was another reason why, yeah, I also kind of had my faith at arm's length. Yeah, I guess for most of my younger years. But then in terms of getting more into the intellectual side of my faith and it becoming more real to me at an intellectual level, I think that happened, started happening in like mid high school. Uh, And like many people, that happened because I started reading C.S. Lewis. So we love C.S. Lewis here on this show. Old Jack. Yeah. So, you know, like we had had like the Narnia books read to us as kids and stuff like that. Um, But I picked up uh, again, as I'm sure many, many people who return to the faith can relate to his book, um, Mere Christianity, which is just kind of a popular level apologetic for Christianity. Uh, It goes through like the moral argument for, uh, you know, there must be a divine lawgiver and so forth and kind of gets into different Christian doctrines like the Trinity and Christian virtue and stuff and the incarnation and tries to explain them in a kind of rational intuitive way yeah so that was kind of my my gateway into thinking more deeply and seriously about my faith i got into other christian apologetic stuff but throughout this whole period again i, I um there was still you know a lot of darkness going on and so like i said that still at a practical level i didn't feel like i was really committed. To, Or it was hard for me to commit myself to living a a Christian life, quote unquote, you know, um, in a more intentional way, I guess. And so that just kind of continued. uh, Yeah, so I I just kept getting more and more into theology and philosophy of religion and stuff like that. Not a huge impact on my life, but, you know, I was still a Christian. I ended up actually converting to Roman Catholicism uh, for a brief period in my er early college years I was only officially Roman Catholic, though. Um, it was like a long process of converting, and I went through RCA and all that. But I was only officially Roman Catholic for maybe seven or eight months or something like that. And then I kind of had a existential crisis. It was kind of the interaction of some philosophical and personal existential issues I had that maybe we can get more into at a later time. But it was kind of a complex thing. And so the result of this kind of crisis of faith I had uh, was that I became agnostic and I was officially agnostic for like the next seven or eight years. Yeah, so I kind of had, yeah, like seven or eight years just totally away from the faith. And depending on the day, I would either lean more towards theism or more towards atheism, you know, but so that hence the kind of agnosticism, right? So I wasn't agnostic in the sense what's sometimes called hard agnosticism, where I thought, oh, you just can't in principle know these things. I thought you could. Um, I was a soft agnostic, you might say, in the sense that I just thought that there were conflicting reasons. I thought that there were some good reasons to be a Christian theist. Uh, There were some good reasons. We got a dog barking right now. I don't know if you can hear it. Don't mind that. It's the devil. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> trying to throw a wrench into our, our witness right now. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I felt like both philosophically and existentially, I feel like the world in a way presented itself simultaneously as a world devoid of God, and also as a world, you know, kind of enriched with God's presence. So I just kind of lived in that tension for many years. And there were also some like deep theological hangups I had, and we'll talk a lot more about this in future episodes, having to do with, I guess, primarily like traditional notions about hell and how other Christian doctrines uh, end up interacting with the tr- different traditional doctrines of hell or ideas about hell. Yeah. And so I guess I was naturally becoming more and more open to Christianity again, because I started out of casual interest, like reading some theology again, I started, uh, I was introduced to certain Christian thinkers who helped me start start to kind of see the faith in a different way or see aspects of the faith that I hadn't really focused on or didn't know about before. That, again, it kind of helped me, open me back up to the possibility that maybe I should be a Christian again. So like some of these thinkers are people like Greg Boyd, um, also actually most centrally, and we'll talk a lot about this fella, uh, George McDonald. We, I love, him, and, and... we love us some George MacDonald. So if you haven't heard that name before, you will become very familiar with it. If you listen to us, cause we love this guy and we'll, yes. we'll go into exactly who he is as time rolls on, but he's one of our spiritual heroes. Right. So, so this is a, he was a writer, um, Christian writer, Scottish in the, um, 1800s. Yeah, we'll talk about him more later, like Brett said. But he's uh, just to give you a brief indication of how much of a, a kind of wise and interesting figure this guy was. Uh, C.S. Lewis called him his master, quote unquote, and uh, G.K. Chesterton called him uh, Saint George of Aberdeen. He's had a heavy influence on many of the twentieth-century Christian theologians who were who were the heavy hitters of this era yeah came, fantasy writers like tolkien and, and, you know, yes like that. so he came you know a little before a lot of a, a lot of the like i said that like tolkien cs lewis gk chesterton many others you know he was around like in the mid to late 1800s but he had a profound impact on them the irony is is, is we all know the the cs Lewis's and the gk chestertons of the world but not as many people know uh george mcdonald and i didn't before actually ben introduced him to me so again we'll, we'll probably have whole episodes based around george mcdonald or some some of his works but he is he is awesome he, he is he is like a sage of wisdom and truth for the christian faith so indeed he, he always gets me excited about my walk with christ when i uh, read his stuff it, it's just so profound yes and honestly if nothing else comes out of this podcast i at least want it to be something that encourages people to start reading george mcdonald <laughs> definitely um anyway yeah so there were a lot of thinkers and ideas like that out there that started kind of getting my gears turning again and also i guess like opening up my heart in a way again because these things are never purely intellectual right like i said my kind of deconversion had it intensely existential and personal dimension to it and so i you know there were certain issues that i felt like i couldn't open up to god existentially or emotionally right until i could kind of overcome certain ideas about god that i couldn't get past that really do have a big impact and that's another thing we'll talk a lot about on this podcast is just how important it is that we think well and rightly about god not that we have all the answers but we will be very critical of certain ideas about god that we think are just very damaging both to individual lives and also to a christian witness in the modern world yeah but anyway so that that's uh so that kind of reopening eventually led to me uh reconverting to christianity not as a roman catholic again so i'm currently anglican is the tradition I kind of find myself in. But both of us, both Brett and I are also very not about being overly stringent in associating with a particular denomination or a particular theological tradition. I think we both think tradition is very important, but the kind of Nicene orthodoxy is what really matters. And everything apart from that is kind of open to fruitful christian discussion but sorry so i'm getting on a lot of kind of side (laughs) rabbit trails here yeah so my story is basically started off as an all-american you know uh christian zygote uh (laughs) didn't care that much got into c.s lewis and stuff like that uh became a roman catholic and then uh became an apostate reprobate heathen for about seven or eight years and uh now i'm back in the christian life and i'm trying to take it a lot more seriously at a at a personal practical level as well this time around kind of like brett was saying i feel like it's been far more of a day-to-day reality and for me it's only been like just over a year since i reconverted so yeah that's about it yeah. so i thought well, let me say a couple things ended. before you move on go ahead before you move on and i just had a couple i a couple thoughts coming off of your story the The first one is 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 you know Ben mentioned all of these different phases that he went through in his life. I did as well to a certain extent. I didn't become a Roman Catholic or anything at certain at points in my life, but I again grew up in the Christian culture, always kind of felt like I could relate on one level, but on a lot of levels. I felt kind of removed from it. And then we both went through periods of, you know, not faith not being the main thing in our lives. And we're very much aware of how it feels to be living a more of a secular style life in that kind of world. We're not one of those who are able to just kind of slide from our Christian upbringing straight into the faith, obviously, as we've just mentioned. But I think these varied experiences that we've had in our life, I think help us to have more of a a open-minded, more of a kind of nuanced and well-rounded view of faith, of the Christian life, what that actually means in comparison to not living in relationship with God because we've experienced both sides of the coin and many sides in between. So right. yeah. I, th- I think that's made us into who we are today and kind of where we're at with our faith now. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think like a, maybe something that would be illustrative of what Brett is getting at here is I think both of us, although Brett was never more of an atheist like I was for a while, but I think both of us have much more, like, so we're not the kind of Christians that just can't get our heads around unbelief, agnosticism, or atheism, or naturalism. I can totally see how people get there in their minds and at an existential level. So we don't just... Yeah. So we, we just don't, although we are both Christians, we don't take Christianity for granted in a way where we just think you have to be either evil or a fool to not be a Christian either because you're a member of another religion or because you are just a secular atheist or whatever.
1: And also I think that at
0: all, like that is the furthest thing from what we believe. And obviously we'll get into many of those details again. uh, Right. And I think another thing is based on kind of how our views of Christianity have changed there are a lot of ways of looking at Christianity that are the reasons many people are not Christian. a are part of the reason I was not Christian for a long time. I think those are wrong ways to look at Christianity, but they're understandable since they reflect major currents in Christian theology and the way, like many Christian subcultures and stuff like that, right? So there's a sense in which the quote-unquote Christianity that many people disbelieve in is the same quote-unquote Christianity that I disbelieve in. Yeah, and we'll get into a lot of that for sure. What, one other thing I wanted to mention was that the reason we decided to start this podcast is because we, especially, even before Ben kind of reconverted uh, about a year ago, we started to have these phone conversations about theology, about right. philosophy. Those, those were also uh, very important in in bringing me back to the faith as well. I was talking to Brett. Over the phone about a lot of these things yeah well, I, don't, I don't even know if i, I knew that i I'm, I'm glad that contributed in some way but um we we i mean we kept it going full bore obviously even more so when we when been converted we both were now in relationships with jesus and, and just trying to kind of fig, continue to just to figure out what that means and we we would have it just as periodic conversations about an hour an hour and a half each and uh, we thought to ourselves one day you know we're we're talking a lot of i think important things out that a lot of a lot of which we're not hearing you know whether that be through other podcasts or sermons just kind of the church voice in general in america we're not hearing a lot of this so why don't we just for the the heck of it try to do a podcast i mean we're 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 talking this stuff out anyway over the phone so why not talk it over uh, in a podcast format so that that's why we actually decided to start this uh, theo bros podcast so i figured uh before we closed off our little intro podcast here maybe to give listeners kind of a framework or a context for what we'll be talking about and the sorts of things we'll be saying in the future maybe we could each give a kind of brief summary. Of where we're at theologically right now, what our kind of core beliefs are, our core commitments are. So, do you want to start us off with that, Brett? Sure. That's that's difficult to kind of wrap up into kind of a, a quick summary, but I I would say where Give where us I'm Brett, at the Brett Creed. <laughs> this not is going to replace Scott Stapp Creed, the Brett Creed. Oh, take us high. Can you take me higher? I abide by the stat. The Listen, stat was Jesus, the, his arms are wide open. All right. Oh man, that that's some classic uh, butt rock. <laughs> anyway, I won't I won't get into butt rock now. We'll have a whole episode about butt rock. You know, your Nickelbacks, your Three Doors Down, your your Creeds, Godsmack, <laughs> Cedar. We're, just, we're we're just gonna show you how how the beauty of butt rock just totally brings you closer to God. it's, it's a beautiful thing. In case you know what butt rock is that's the early 2000s uh mainstream alternative rock and roll disturbed
1: oh, oh yeah sorry. all that good stuff all
0: right so give, give us the brett creed so i would first and foremost say that the the central truth in my life is it's all about being very christ-centric I've realized that there is differing opinions on everything under the sun when it comes to the Christian faith. And sometimes I think that can overwhelm people and it certainly can overwhelm me at times. So I've made it a point with, uh, and I've come to this conclusion through a lot of spiritual mentors of mine through online sermons and, and in other ways that have kind of brought me to this core value, which is everything in my faith is narrows and boils down to and points to christ crucified that god's sacrificial other center love on the cross and in his life is what we need to hold on to more important than anything else jesus of nazareth the bible says is the image of god what the father does jesus does so if we ever feel confused beat down by the world we always go back to christ and the love that he showed in his lifetime on this earth, and especially the ultimate self-sacrificial love he showed on the cross. And that is the shape of the universe. That is God. And if anything else theologically or otherwise doesn't jive or doesn't fit with that picture of God, we see Christ in the flesh. That's why God came down, was to reveal who he is. To reveal the deepest truth of this mystery that we call the universe, it's all Jesus Christ. So that would be the central tenet. Now, beyond that, there's all sorts of other theological ideas that kind of are, are kind of spawn from that that initial idea of Christ being the center of everything. And I'm just gonna come out and say it: this is one thing that I have very passionate about, and I think we're gonna get into a lot in this podcast is the nature of hell and what that means. And I've come to the conclusion in my own life that there's hope for this world, that there's hope for all of humanity, and that the end of this grandiose story that we call life and call the universe and call history is going to be the most beautiful thing you could ever imagine. So I believe in a big God, a loving God, and a God who is redeeming and saving the world and everything in it. I'll leave it at that. And we'll unpack a lot of our other theological ideas as the podcast goes on. But I would say those two ideas are are kind of the main theological truths that I really hold dear in my own spiritual life. So that's how I would summarize, I guess, my uh, current theological state. What about you, Ben? Yeah, so obviously, I pretty much agree with all of that. So I agree that for me, God as revealed in Christ, his ministry and death and resurrection and ascension is the centerpiece. And all other thinking about God has to uh, radiate from the image of God in Christ. Uh, and that's something, you know, that we discern in scripture, right, in the gospel accounts of Christ, in the apostolic witness of Christ, and in the preaching and sacraments of Christ right down through history. And then apart from that, I guess the kind of next circle in these concentric circles, kind of like I indicated briefly earlier, I think the fundamental commitment of Christian orthodoxy, little orthodoxy, and I do I do think that's important, and I do consider myself a orthodox, traditional Christian. Is uh, are basically the Apostles and Nicene creeds, or what are often called the ecumenical creeds of the Church. So, if you read those, right, those are things that have bound Christians together in all three traditions: the Roman Catholic, Protestant, and Eastern Orthodox. Um, also i should give a shout out to there is a fourth tradition often neglected that's not really eastern orthodox called the oriental orthodox so shout out to the cops and people like that not the copper is like egyptian you know Um, oh yeah i have a good friend who's egyptian orthodox is that considered oriental orthodox yes yeah yeah. Yeah, on my, uh, that's my understanding. Yeah, yeah. So, so I view the Apostles and Nicene Creeds. That's the centerpiece of, I think, what it means to be a Christian, at least in an Orthodox sense. So I agree with the content of that. There is some controversy, you know, about how to interpret certain terms and so forth in the Nicene Creed. But if that's what you're trying to affirm, however you understand that, to me, that's what's important. That's what I embrace. Um, And then, yeah, so in terms of stuff like hell, I I kind of, I'm more sure about what I don't believe than what I do believe. So like Brett, you know, I also heavily incline towards a more universalistic or hopeful, inclusivistic kind of perspective on eschatology and hell. But I'm also open to the annihilationist perspective. I'm more just very confident that the quote-unquote traditional view of hell, which is actually not as traditional (laughs) <laughs> or, nope. As a lot of people might think it is, there's a lot of patris- patristic witness against it and so forth, but again, we'll get into that stuff later. The kind of conscious eternal torment view, I know that I don't believe that. Yeah, so that's basically it. It's all about Jesus and how we should understand Jesus, kind of in our basic commitments, is orbits around Nicene orthodoxy, and then, yeah, the traditional doctrine of hell is crap. That's about it. Those are my yep. basic that's the moral of the story. <laughs> so, so yeah, we'll, we'll, um, we're just going to give you a quick preview of what to expect on future Theo Bros podcast episodes. And then we will call it a wrap for this uh, first episode. Um, we hope you guys are enjoying it so far, but we're, we're really looking forward to continuing this and just kind of seeing where it goes. So uh, here's what to expect on future episodes of Theo Bros. And a preview of upcoming topics for discussion on the next episode of Theo Brozzi, criticizing the recent revival of Calvinist and Puritan theology. How could you? How could you criticize the doctrines of grace that you I... must give your all to God? Oh God. man. Is, did Paul Washer just pop up on this podcast? Oh, my goodness. All right. You know what I want to do is I want to edit in every time we say Calvinism an old footage of, like, 50s black and white ladies screaming before she gets murdered. Something we need to bring to this podcast is, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the kind of trope cinematic screams that they use in a lot of different movies. So there's, like, the Wilhelm scream. Howie. The Howie scream. Yeah, so we should every time we talk about hell or Calvinism, we should just <laughs> pre- press the Howie scream button, you know. But oh, man, I need, I need a button that gives me a Howie scream whenever my heart desires. So, yeah, we, a lot, there's going to be some hell, heavy uh, Calvinist critique in this podcast. So but, and by the it. way, I used to be a Calvinist. All right. Yeah. So, so if, if there's any Calvinist listening, you're going to want to stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of fun stuff. We're, we're just going to have a grandel. <laughs> By the time we are done with you, you're going to be repenting in sackcloth and ashes. <laughs> at mine and Ben's feet. No, anyways, I, I will try to say at least one good thing about Calvinism throughout this podcasting quest. That's going to be tough to do, but... But I'm not going to say it now because I can't think of anything off the top of my head. All right, continue. Ben's going to have to toil over the entire work of... I'm already blanking on his name. The guy from the 1700s who... Uh, oh, Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> Ben's going to have to toil over his, like, thousand-page book of systematic theology to find one good thing to say about Calvinism. Man, I can just feel the flames tickling me jimmies right now as God, as the angry God dangles me over my eternal damnation. God has his lightning bolt primed and ready to cast down. Okay, so we're also going to get a lot more into the Christian not heretical idea of universalism and hopeful inclusionism before you guys think that that's heresy but it is unorthodox you need to remember the early church fathers many of them held to this view so let's let's keep that in mind but yeah we we can't wait to get into some of that stuff when we drop universalism Um, we're not talking about what's called religious pluralism which is the idea that all paths lead to god it doesn't matter where you believe Christian universalism says, no, there is one path to God, Jesus Christ, and his death. Yeah, the word universalism, there's a lot of misconceptions surrounding that term. So we'll make sure to clarify. It's just that eventually Christ's life and person and work will draw all men to himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're going to get into the relative merits has been alluded to of annihilationism. Uh, just why eternal conscious torment is the most ridiculous thing ever. Okay, so, <laughs> that, that, That's all, folks. <laughs> we're, we're again going to uh, get into our favorite theologian that we mentioned, George MacDonald, and why he's better than your favorite theologian. Uh, let's see. What else are we going to get into, Ben? C- keep, uh, uh, so keep giving gonna, him a preview. Uh, how to be theologically generous without being a heretic. Who would have thunk <laughs> it? And what heresy even means? Christian pacifism and Christian just war theory. Uh, Christian life in a post-Trump America. For you true theology nerds out there, you'll like this one. Whether N.T. Wright will ever live down getting body slammed by David the Big Unit Bentley Hart over New Testament translation? The error, the historical errors, the factual errors, the conceptual errors are are innumerable. <laughs> laying it down if you guys don't know who he is this makes no sense but we'll we'll talk about him he's another one of our our main boys that theologians that we just we just love very soon you will feel the utter uh, the unadulterated power of big dbh drop kicking you theologically um david bentley hart aka dbh the big unit lays down law go ahead ben (laughs) uh yeah so some last few possible topics right Uh, theology and disney we're, oh, I'm we're, Brett. And I'm a Disney fan. I will admit it. We're both native Floridians. So we, yeah, we love, love, love Disney. Uh, Theology and the Muppets. It's the Muppet show. We love also the Muppets one of the, too. Also, one of the greatest franchises of all time. Theology yep. and Lord of the Rings, of course, and much, oh, sure. much more. Don't let the random. Alluding to uh, Disney, The Muppets, and Lord of the Rings, so you're, that is pretty much just three samples of art, film, music. We love movies. We love music. Um, I think we both have a solid appreciation of art. So we really want to explore a lot of pop culture, things that, that relate to, to faith. And, and, and those are just three examples of things that we really love growing up on Disney, on The Muppets, our favorite movies being The Lord of the Rings. But we'll get into much, much more in pop culture as well. So, we're excited about that. All right, so uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, We're very much looking forward to uh, starting this podcast proper. Um, I think probably our first episode, so we can just kind of get it out of the way, uh, is going straight out of the gate. Straight out of the gate is going going down. It's going to be about Calvinism. (laughs) We're about to start burning some tunes. Oh, we are going to burn the tulips to the ground, and they are not going to rise like a phoenix from the ashes. I can guarantee you that. Unlike Tiny um, Tim, we will not be tiptoeing through the tulips. We will be scything our way through the tulips. I will be fee-fi-fo-fum in my way through the tulips. Again, if you're listening, you don't know what tulip is and stuff, I apologize, but you will know. A lot of these references, we'll get into it and in kind of explaining what, what it is, but I, I, I think a lot of you probably do know are familiar with calvinism and the tulip and all that jazz so but it's just going to be a, a pure and utter unadulterated critique of calvinism next episode so be ready all right so that's it for this episode thanks for joining us guys and stay tuned take care theologizers we'll see you soon this is the theo bros podcast